Good evening, my friends. Good evening, my friends. Good evening, my friends. I say it until I feel like I'm reaching through to you somehow. I say it until I feel ears open and listening, ready for my voice. It's the only way I can know, being where I am right now, wherever this is, which is where I still am, unfortunately. I also think it's been about a week since we last spoke. Hard to tell since that depends entirely on her, not me, but I think that's correct. So, when I feel ears listening to my voice, I have at least a vague, approximate sense of time. Which is nice. Another week of just blackness all around me, then. It started to become somewhat pleasant, I must admit. At first, memory was faded and unreliable, but now... Now, it plays before my eyes on this empty black space, like a projector on a screen. Faces I haven't seen in centuries dance before my vision. Who can say how accurate they are in their appearance? But that they're here is lovely. Perhaps they really are here. They've come to me before. Ghosts. Phantoms, characters from the stories I've been telling you. Remember? They came to my aid when I needed them. Perhaps I need them again. And they visit me here occasionally. Or it could just be my imagination. In all honesty, it's probably both, isn't it? At any rate, they came to me today. People. Characters, monsters from my memory. Ones I haven't told you about yet. So I suppose it is only right that their story is the one I tell you tonight. This is the tale of a woman and a secret. The town had been plagued for years by a series of strange attacks. First, it was simply the occasional coyote, stag, or wolf that was found dead in the forest. This normally wouldn't be concerning, for, though these were large and powerful animals, there were larger and more powerful out there. Who knew how many bears roamed the countryside? Who knew whether or not mountain lions had made their way down and into the thicket near town? However... The townsfolk knew the difference between a bear attack and... and whatever this was. For you see, the animals had not been eaten. They had not been killed in the natural way in which one animal may take another animal's life. For purpose or for defense. You know that I despise violence. So I will simply say that the brutality of these kills were what kept their perpetrator from being easily identifiable. However, when the kills moved beyond wild animals, the people in this town grew more and more frightened, and more and more furious, 
hunting dogs, horses, livestock, and farm animals alike began to fall prey to the mysterious predator among them. They would send out search parties every time a herd of sheep was attacked or a stable was under siege and prepare to track the thing, but it was never found. Glimpses of it, perhaps, might have been caught. An enormous figure, larger than a bear on its hind legs, but sinewy and stranger than a bear, its fur sparse and black, its eyes deep-set and red, its snout long and its teeth sharp as blades. This was no bear. And when its attacks began to be turned toward human victims, it could no longer be ignored. Whatever it was, no one had seen its like before. Except, perhaps, the widow on the hill. For who knew what she had seen in her strange young lifetime? She lived by herself, in a beautiful mansion on a large, green estate. She had only arrived ten years ago, to this place where everyone else living there had been for several generations. She came from a faraway land, after her husband had met her on his travels. They were married in that faraway land. And when he came home to his family's manor house, he brought her with him. That was when she was a girl. The people in town thought she was strange and whispered things about her behind her back, but she didn't pay them any mind. Her home was a sanctuary, closed off with high walls and gates, and it kept out all those whisperers and it kept her and her husband close together. She married him not because of his money, and certainly not for his promise to take her to a new place, for she loved her home and missed it terribly. She loved him not for the way he worshipped each little square foot of earth that she happened to tread on, and not for the beautiful words he used to describe her strange and captivating loveliness. And she loved him not for the strong angles of his jaw, the shine in his hair, nor the color of his eyes. You see, she had lived a life of anarchy and danger before he met her. When he met her, he was on an adventure all his own. But, meeting her, he decided the one thing he should do always was protect her keep anarchy and danger far, far from her, shield her from it with his own self. This is why she loved him. Because he loved her in a way that made her feel safe, something she hadn't known for most of her life. But then, as people need to, sometimes, he had to leave her. Not on an adventure, not for leisurely travel, 
he died. That was all anyone knew. There was a monument to him in her backyard, where he was buried. Anyway, back to the murders and the beast. Since she was alone in her large home, far from town and close to the forest, high up on the hill, when the authorities were finally brought in to investigate, she was one of the first people they sought out. I'm sorry, officers, but I don't know how much help I can be to you, she said. However, I do think I saw a strange large figure heading off into the east the other night. And so the officers headed off eastward in search of the beast. For days and days they found nothing. And when the town suffered yet another attack on one of its citizens, the police trailed the blood back to the gardens in the widow's mansion. It must have doubled back and passed through here, the widow said, her voice and her eyes calm as they regarded her with suspicion. A look she had seen many times since her arrival in this place ten years ago. She had practiced this calm since childhood, for, if chaos and destruction was all around her, perhaps she could combat it with an inner peace, or at the very least the appearance of inner peace. So strange that I neither heard nor saw anything as it passed through. The police couldn't be sure, but certain ones among them felt she was hiding something. They kept searching. They searched the forests. They searched the eastward trails she mentioned. They patrolled the roads and alleys of the town by night. And for another few days, they found nothing. But soon, the creature found them. It surprised them as they guarded a farmhouse on the outskirts of the town. It had a barn full of cows, sheep, and pigs and the family who lived on the farm was terrified that they would be struck next. The officers felt that this would be a target too good to miss for this carnivorous creature. They even went so far as to let a few of the pigs and sheep roam within the fenced field, to be a kind of bait. And it worked. In the darkness of the late night, the creature struck. It stole one pig away into the shadows, and the poor animal's screeches alerted the patrolling officers that the beast was near. They aimed their rifles, prepared to strike the instant they saw the creature. But oh, it was so good at moving among the shadows. Its black fur camouflaged it brilliantly. Its calculated movements were almost dance-like, and exclusively human, despite the strange arch to the creature's long, spindly legs and the great reach of its long arms and huge hands. Its ears were long and pointed. Its huge jaws dripped with both blood and drool, and its red eyes were the only thing that gave it away in the shadows. The officers shot at it and missed, but it was angry now. It stalked them through the night, one at a time. It knew how to confuse them and separate them from one another. It fought many of them, 
dodging their bullets and managing to wound several of them, even killing one most unfortunately. Whatever it was, it was clever, and it was calm. And it had the upper hand. That is, until one of the frantic shots from the rifles made its way to the creature, grazing the side of its face and one of its ears. It howled a horrible, painful, monstrous howl, and it ran off into the hills, towards the widow's mansion. They knocked on her door the next day, and she was nowhere to be found. They went around the house, looking for an open window or door, their rifles held in their still-shaking hands. They found the widow outside, standing by the grave of her husband, laying flowers down on it. Have you found the beast yet, officers? She asked and turned to look at them. A huge wound, red and angry and still bleeding, ran across one side of her lovely, strange, calm face. It trailed up her cheek, across her cheekbone, and over her ear, which was almost completely gone. They arrested her instantly. A quick search of her home revealed a basement with some kind of makeshift dungeon. It had torches, candles, bars that had been bent, a door with a huge padlock that had been torn apart, and two chairs, one inside the bars, one outside. The door to the basement was completely destroyed, wood splinters scattered everywhere. Someone had locked her up, they surmised, and she had escaped. Whatever sort of thing she was, whether it was all some strange act, or some strange medical condition, or something beyond the understanding of the authorities, whatever she was, her husband had hidden her away and locked her up, kept the town as safe as possible from her, they guessed. With his death, she must have escaped and now ran unchecked. They threw her in chains, and she allowed herself to be locked up in the back of their carriage without any protest. She seemed more than resigned to this justice. As was the case with many cold-blooded murderers, it seemed she was happy to be caught and finally stopped. They were taking her to the city, where she would be assessed and tried for her crimes whatever one could even say they were. Certainly she had some kind of illness that would need to be studied, the police hypothesized to each other as they wearily rode the strange widow in the carriage towards the city. She waited in the dark of the carriage, her eyes calm as usual. When the carriage stopped, she didn't seem surprised. When she heard the men shouting and the guns firing, she still wasn't surprised. When an officer threw open the door to the carriage and grabbed her, demanding she let him take her to safety, she didn't seem surprised. We've made a terrible mistake, 
the officer said, his eyes wide with horror. You're not safe here, madam. Come with me. But before she could give him her hand, the creature landed behind her in a great leap and wrapped its arms around her from behind. Terrified, the officer raised his rifle and fired blindly. He didn't know it, but his bullet didn't hit his target. It hit the lonely, strange, lovely widow in the shoulder. She cried out, and the creature roared. In another great leap, it bounded off into the trees and took off with her into the forest. The lone officer went back to the city, spreading word in a frantic voice about what he had seen and the cost he and his comrades had paid. And the widow woke up the next day in a small cottage, far away, hidden in the forest. Her shoulder was clean and wrapped, though she was lightheaded from the pain and the loss of blood. She smelled burning wood and felt the warmth of a fire and the softness of a blanket, and she felt safe. For the first time in many years, she felt safe. I shouldn't have run off, a voice said to her, dark and sad within the cottage. But I couldn't help it. I couldn't help any of it. She smiled to herself. She would have known that voice anywhere. There he stood, with his strong jaw, his beautiful hair, and his brilliant eyes. Lovely, even despite the huge wound across his cheekbone and his missing ear. I know, she answered. She felt him gently touch the wound on her own face. Why would you do such a thing? he asked. To protect you she said without hesitating. He hadn't died, you see. That monument in the backyard was a lovely lie to disguise the much less lovely truth. He had merely escaped his nightly prison, the one she guarded so patiently, waiting with him until morning, when he would return to the form she fell in love with. One night, in his terrible, monstrous form, something that had been bestowed on him during his travels abroad to the dark, unexplored places of the world, something that had been passed to him through a vicious bite from a similar creature. He broke out of his prison and ran off into the night. Yet, even throughout those terrible years where he dared not return home and endanger the woman he loved, she'd catch glimpses of him in the forest. By night, she'd see the huge, terrifying creature and wonder if it recognized her still, or if she was merely prey to him. By day, sometimes she'd catch him in the corner of her eye in the garden, leaving behind little gifts of herbs, flowers, trinkets. But he never stayed for long. His goal 
always, was to protect her. But now he had failed, and here she lay, injured terribly because of him. Near death. Unless, that is, they were to make a decision together. How did I learn of them? Well, my friends, because when I hear word of a terrible, fearsome monster, it is in my nature to seek it out and see it with my own eyes. I do not fear snapping jaws and red, glowing eyes, you see. But I did not see a terrible creature, part bear, part wolf, part monster, part man. I saw two of them. At night I saw them prowling the empty roads, healthy and strong and without injury, though they still had large red scars across both of their faces and ears. The same side on each. And one sported a strange scar on her shoulder, though it didn't seem to pain her at all. They moved fast as shadows, quiet as ghosts, wreaking havoc silently and swiftly in the night. They couldn't help it, you see. Such was their curse. Lovely, cursed creatures, alone together in the countryside. I don't think this one had a happy ending because I don't think this one had heroes. It just had lovers. That's my story for you this week. I am no better than them. I have stalked the night with a dark companion at my side. But he didn't love me. He didn't protect me. He didn't want better for me. He wanted worse from me. I wonder what my revenge shall be. Last time my revenge was gentle in its cruelty. Will it be so this time? It's hard to tell the color of my heart when everything around me is dark. It might be dark too now. But perhaps not. Perhaps I must protect my own heart, if no one will do it for me. I hope you're well. I miss knowing you're there. But I think I know you're there anyway. We'll see. Good night, and be well. Hello everyone, this is Kristen. I'm the creator, writer, performer, podcaster, composer, sound designer, and all that behind On a Dark Cold Night. Thank you for listening to episode 78. First off, I have to send a big thank you to Instagram artist rock underscore on underscore a underscore cart, who created a beautiful piece of art based on, I think, episode 5, The Mirror. 
Thank you so much for sharing your art with me. I posted it on my social media pages so you can check it out and have a look. If any other listeners out there have artwork you want to share that's inspired by the show, please feel free to send me a shout out on social media. I'd love to see your work and hopefully share it around too. You can find me on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast, and on our Facebook page and YouTube channel, both called on a dark cold night. You may hear a little cat making noise in the background. Yep. Pay no attention. Cause, uh, cause he picks recording time to get upset about stuff. If you'd like to support us by leaving a review, you can do so on Stitcher, iTunes, or on our Facebook page. You can also support my work in a really awesome way by listening on the free Radio Public app, where every listen goes towards me as your podcaster being paid for each listen. If you'd like to donate to the show, you can support us on Patreon, where every monthly patron of any amount receives access to a link of the soundtrack of the show. You can find out more information at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. If you only want to donate once and aren't interested in the soundtrack perk, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. Also, you can check out our On a Dark Cold Night t-shirts and hoodies, available at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. Thank you so, so much for listening. If it's bedtime for you, I hope you have a great night and a restful sleep. If it's not bedtime, I hope you're having a great day and continue to do so. Take care, my friends. Until next week. 